Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Sileme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Sileme Foundation. And the foundation's mission is enabling education in Africa. This week, I'd like us to talk on a topic I've titled Building Team Willingness. Willingness speaks to an individual's personal will and each one of us has a will. There's a popular adage which says, where there is a will, there is a way, meaning that willpower empowers you to devise solutions to problems and obstacles. A person's will speaks of their desire, their determination, motivation, and their drive. Your will shows up in the kind of decisions you make. If you have the will to succeed, it will show up in what you do. You'll take the necessary action. You'll not only talk about it, you'll actually do it. Will also speaks of your desire, but one can have a desire to do something which you know is wrong. For example, you may be overtaken by greed and develop a desire to steal money from organizations. We have the ability to override that desire and decide to do that which is good, but this requires more than just self-effort. It requires that you be spiritually strong so that you are able to overcome your negative fleshly desires. Your spirit is stronger than your flesh and it operates at a higher dimension, but you need to train it through exercising spiritually in prayer, worship and meditation. You need to connect with God, the source of your spirit. You need to let His will override your will. As the timeless prayer says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Willingness speaks to fertility. Back in my home province of Limpopo, we have very fertile soil. We have vast plantations where mangoes, bananas, oranges, carriages, carrots, any other fruit or vegetable you can imagine are cultivated. You know, the soil in Limpopo is very fertile and we always joke that anything you plant there will grow. A willing spirit is much the same. A team that has a willing spirit will always experience growth and they'll become fruitful and effective. Much like that fertile soil, a willing spirit is a, is a keen spirit. It is a spirit that expresses a readiness to receive. Among the benefits of this soil fertility in Popo is that many households are able to grow their own food and this helps them to save on grocery costs and it also helps them you know, to lead a healthier lifestyle. Why buy tomatoes when you can grow your own? And when it is tomatoes you've grown yourself, you know that they are 100% organic and they are, you are guaranteed of great health benefits. Likewise, a team that has a willing spirit will save you energy as a leader because they will be self-motivated and they will not need you to constantly fan their flames. Also, because that willingness is intrinsic and grown internally, it will be of a higher value and you'll make the team very healthy. When we speak of fertility, we can also reference women who are able to fall pregnant easily. When a team has a willing spirit, it's easier to impregnate them with the vision and they're able to deliver on that vision. A team that lacks willingness, on the other hand, can be likened to an infertile woman who struggles or is unable to fall pregnant. Willingness is necessary if a team is to birth their greatness and bring forth results. A willing team is a winning team. A team that expresses the cheerful readiness that characterizes willingness is a team that sets itself up for victory. Winning takes place before the kickoff of the match, 
and before the first punch is ever thrown in a boxing bout. The attitude you take into the arena is one of the main catalysts determining whether it ends up in victory or in loss. Boxing legends such as Ali and Tyson won many of their fights because of the attitude and persona they exhibited. They were confident of victory and that attitude of confidence created such an impression on their opponents that those opponents were defeated even before they entered the ring. A willing attitude would elevate a team to a higher altitude. Many teams want to rise to higher levels. They want to eclipse their competition. They want to become greater versions of themselves. But are these teams willing to do what needs to be done in order to accomplish their set goals? Every team has a level at which they operate. You know, some teams are operating at level 3, whilst others are operating at level 10. Some teams are recognized as the best in their sphere or arena, whilst others seem to be just there to make up the numbers and fill up the spaces. Of course, there are various factors that contribute to this. Uh, factors such as the level of talent, the level of resources and so forth. But the most important factor is that of a willing attitude. Even if a team doesn't have the best talent or the best resources, if that team has the willingness to succeed, that willingness can propel them to the success they desire. In order to go up levels, particularly in a building, you can either use the elevator or the stairs. Teams that are not as talented or well-resourced as others can be likened to those who do not have the luxury of an elevator and so they have to take the stairs. The fact that they have to take the stairs can easily be seen as a disadvantage. But health experts will tell you that if you have a choice between taking the elevator or taking the stairs, you should take the stairs because that will improve and add value to your health. These teams often end up being stronger and more resilient than those who are better resourced. Their will to succeed motivates them to keep taking another step, and with every step, they are increasing in stamina. Perhaps the team you lead isn't the most well-resourced team out there. Do not fret. Do not dismay. Victory isn't out of your reach. I'm reminded of uh, the English soccer team Leicester City, who won the English Premier League in the 2015-2016 season. This team didn't have the talent that bigger and more prominent teams such as Man United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea had. It didn't have the financial backing or fan base of any of those teams, but somehow they were able to rise to the very top and achieve what seemed impossible. They had the willingness and determination to win, and so they won. Indeed, willingness opens up the doors that lead to success and positions the team to accomplish great exploits. Many believe the doors to success to be locked when, in fact, they are just closed. They look at their circumstances, their backgrounds, their adversaries, and they believe that these factors have locked the doors of success. Willingness inspires you to boldly approach the doors of success and open them. You have to be willing to approach the door, turn the knob, and enter into the next dimension. On the other hand, the unwillingness to take the appropriate action leads to stagnation and frustration. What must leaders and teams be willing to do? Number one, willing to change. The willingness to change is foundational to progress. If a person isn't willing to change their negative behavior or attitude, then they will be limited in their progress. If, for example, a short-tempered person isn't willing to work on their short temper in order to change it, 
then they will continue in their destructive behavior. A team that is willing to change is a team that invites growth and development, and organizations that consist of teams that are adept at changing will find themselves ahead of their competitors. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, when you are finished changing, you are finished. Close quote. Teams should not change and develop merely because it's necessary. Change should form part of a team's culture. It should become a normal occurrence that is instigated and initiated. Many times, people and organizations wait until they are forced to change before they actually change. And oftentimes, this means there is pressure and added discomfort. It's always better to buy your winter clothes before the winter comes. Otherwise, you'll be shivering your way to the clothing store with your summer shirt and your shorts. One of the synonyms for the word willingness is preparedness. A willing team is one that is prepared for change and also prepared to change. It's not always possible to anticipate what changes will occur in a particular sector or what changes will need to be made to acclimatize. But you can ready your heart by adopting a willing spirit. Many people tend to resist change, but just because someone is resisting change, it doesn't mean that change will not come. For example, organizations who've resisted the digital revolution have felt the brunt of that resistance. Organizations in every sector you can think of, from music to transport to housing and so forth, have had to change their business models because the changes that the digital age has brought about have forced them to actually change. The organizations that were willing to change adapted quickly and they survived and thrived. But those who were not willing to change were soon left behind until they were barely visible. Again, it begins with the leader. Some leaders want to be effective, but they aren't willing to change the behavior and attitude that prevents them from being effective. You hear them say things like, this is how I am, that's how we do things around here, and that's how we'll always do them. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you know, and so forth. These expressions only reveal a person's unwillingness to change. The world is moving forward, and leaders who want to be at the forefront need to be willing to change. Otherwise, they run the risk of lagging behind, forever chasing change instead of leading change. Number two, you have to be willing to sacrifice. A sacrificial heart is one of the hallmarks of great leaders. Without this important element in their leadership toolkit, leaders will not reach their full potential. Why do I say that? I say that because leadership without sacrifice is leadership without real power. It is a stale, stagnant leadership. It lacks power because leaders who are not sacrificial are leaders whose hearts do not care much about those they lead, hence their unwillingness to sacrifice. And a leader who does not care much about those they lead will not have much power with those they lead. People will follow that leader merely because they have to, not because they want to. Such leadership will be stale because leaders who show no willingness to sacrifice are not inspirational. Teams led by such leaders are rigid, regimented and stagnant because their leaders are not sacrificial. And when leaders are not sacrificial, their teams won't be sacrificial either. If a leader isn't willing to put in the extra hours when necessary, that leader's team will most likely follow the standards set by them. The reason people love leaders like Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa so much is that they displayed a willingness to sacrifice that was bold and inspirational. 
they put those they led before themselves and by so doing set a standard that was worthy of being followed. Not only did they inspire those they led, they also challenged them to reach higher and aim for greater ideals. The sacrifices you have to make as a leader may not be as grand as the aforementioned leaders, but you do have to make sacrifices. Are you willing to wake up earlier to make sure that you have a head start in the day? This means sacrificing an hour or two of sleep. Are you willing to put more money into developing your people? That means sacrificing some of the organization's profits. Are you willing to interact and engage more with your people? That may mean sacrificing some of your personal space and time. Whatever the sacrifices you may have to make in order to become a more effective leader, know that with every sacrifice made, there is a price. If you decide you want to sacrifice a portion of the profit so you can invest more resources into training your people, your people will become more efficient and they will bring even greater profit into the organization. If you decide you want to sacrifice an hour or two of sleep and instead of waking up at 7 a.m. you wake up at 5 a.m., you will invariably have more hours in your day and you'll have more time to accomplish that which you want to accomplish. If you decide you want to sacrifice the comfort of being locked away in your corner office and instead you spend more time with your team, you will build a stronger bond with them and in the process build a stronger team. Number three, willing to learn. The willingness to learn is fundamental to not only teams and leaders, it's fundamental to all people in all spheres of life. The willingness to learn is ingrained in our DNA as human beings. The toddler learns how to walk, how to talk, how to run and so forth. We grow through what we learn. Although learning is innate to human beings, will plays a major role in deciding whether a person learns and how much they learn. A person may have the ability to learn, but if they do not have the will to learn, then that ability does not serve them. A leader may have the ability to become a better leader. A team may have the ability to become a better team, but if there is no willingness to learn, there can be no growth. The leader will not become better and the team won't either. Many times you think that if you are not learning, you are standing still. But in actual fact, if you are not learning, you are moving backwards. A car that is left stagnant in the open for a long time without any maintenance eventually begins going through wear and tear. Because it's standing still and vulnerable to the elements, it begins to decay and regress. If you are not learning, you are decaying. Just as the car left out in the open is vulnerable to the elements of rain and sun, a mind that is stagnant and not growing in knowledge can over time become rusty. Keep learning and you will keep yourself sharp and mentally agile. Time has the ability to make what you may have learned irrelevant in relation to current needs and demands. The leader that is willing to learn and takes action that leads to learning is a leader that will remain fresh and relevant. Such a leader will find it easier to equip and develop their team because they are continually acquiring knowledge which they can transfer to those they lead. Learning happens on many different levels. We can learn through the absorption of content in the form of books, audiovisual content and so forth. We can learn from one another through conversations. We can learn from past experiences which teach us to make better decisions in the future. Yes, there is a plethora of ways to learn and grow our knowledge capacity, but all are null and void if the willingness isn't there. If there is a treasure hidden in your backyard, but you are unwilling to dig it up, what good is it to you? 
To build willingness, build rapport. How do you as a leader build a culture of willingness in your team? How do you cultivate an attitude amongst your team members that says, yes, I'm willing to change, I'm willing to sacrifice, and I'm willing to learn? How do you build a culture where those you lead are willing to go the extra mile? As stated previously, it begins with you. Don't ask those you lead to do something which you are not willing to do. You also have to build rapport with those you lead. Leadership is largely about relationship. The effectiveness of your leadership is highly dependent on the kind of leadership you have with those that you lead. Leaders who have built rapport are able to get more out of their teams. But what exactly is rapport and how does one go about building it? Rapport is defined by the online Oxford Dictionary as a close and harmonious relationship in which people or groups concerned understand each other's feelings or ideas and communicate well. Close quote. When a leader understands their team, is sensitive towards their feelings and they communicate well, they are able to build rapport with their team. A teacher who has built rapport with their students is able to draw more out of them than the one who hasn't. Sometimes the results come about because of relationship. In the case of the teacher, he or she may have such a good relationship with their students that those students study not only to get good marks and make themselves proud, they put in the necessary effort so that they can make their teacher proud of them as well. When you have rapport, you have greater influence. Some leaders are able to build rapport quite naturally and effortlessly. Leaders who find it easy to build rapport usually have the essential attribute of empathy. If you are someone who isn't naturally graced with empathy, worry not because you can develop empathy and ingrain it into your personality and character. Empathy, an essential element in rapport building. Some leaders like to lead only with their heads. They know all kinds of facts, strategies and formulas, and they believe this is enough to make them effective in their leadership. But head knowledge is only one facet of effective leadership. There are many people who know many things, but their technical know-how alone hasn't been able to catapult them to, you know, into the Hall of Fame of leadership. The reason is that many of them lack hard knowledge. To put it simply, empathy is the ability to place yourself in somebody else's shoes and see things from their perspective. A leader who feels no empathy for those they lead is a dangerous leader. Such a leader will not put those they lead first. They will mistreat and abuse those they lead, and they will end up doing a lot of harm. They will make self-saving decisions that create voice and gaps between themselves and those that they lead. Great leaders understand that it's not enough to see or hear about the struggles of those you lead. They know that it's also important to feel the struggles of those they lead. This means knowing what those you lead are going through and then caring enough to offer support. This may be emotional support, financial support, time or other forms of support. The kind of support offered should be appropriately suited to the kind of support needed. This is not an easy task and can demand extra effort from a leader. But to become a great leader, you must care greatly. Your heart must be in it. Your heart must be with the people and for the people. Every great leader in history cared greatly for people and they made it their mission to help make people's lives better. This is what made their leadership significant. The number one rule for empathetic leadership stems from the book of Romans 12.15 and says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and cry with those who cry. Close quote. 
when you are able to rejoice with those who rejoice and cry with those who cry, you become an empathetic leader. Many leaders want to run to fix problems, but the first point of call is to understand. When you empathize, you will understand better, and when you understand better, you will be better positioned to offer the right kinds of help where necessary. When you empathize, you become more relatable and you build rapport. Gratitude builds rapport. There are two words, very simple yet deeply profound. When incorporated into our daily vocabulary, they have the power to transform our attitudes and our outlook on life. These two words are, thank you. Many leaders take gratitude for granted. They believe that because people get paid to do certain things, they don't have to say thank you to those people. Such leaders miss a great opportunity to build rapport with their team. Gratitude is the water that nourishes the plant so that it may grow and produce fruit. It quenches the thirsty soul and can turn ordinary performers into superstars. Gratitude lets people know that they are appreciated and that their efforts are not going unnoticed. It encourages people to dig deeper and unearth the hidden potential that exists within them. Perhaps there are people on your team who you deem to be average performers. If you begin showing gratitude towards them, even for the seemingly small things that they do, you will inspire them to do even more and move to greater dimensions. Gratitude also reveals the heart of the leader towards their people. When the heart is abundant with gratitude, that gratitude flows lavishly from the mouth. Although very powerful, words are not the only means by which gratitude can be expressed. There are many other ways. There are little ways and big ways to express it. There are tangible ways and non-tangible ways to express it. In one of the podcasts to follow, we'll go deeper into this subject. Well, we've come to the end of today's episode of Leading with Confidence. Thank you so much for tuning in. Cheers.